Hey, hey, everyone. And on today's episode of Dear College Students, I will be talking to Donzel Lampkins. Donzel is a licensed independent clinical social worker currently serving as a director of a university counseling center at a liberal arts university. His professional and personal goals is to help individuals identify and overcome barriers that are prohibiting them from reaching their full potential. He achieves this through utilizing a culturally humble, strength-based, client-centered approach to empowering and centering his clients and members of the community to process and resolve difficult emotions and situations in their life. Donzel, first, I want to say thank you for being on this podcast episode. Thanks for having me. And I first want to start off by asking you, what inspired you to pursue a degree in social work? Well, in undergrad, I was highly involved in my campus ministry, and I absolutely loved working with college students to to address their spiritual needs. But while addressing the spiritual needs, I definitely noticed that there were there was a mental health need as well, and with me not feeling adequately prepared to address that, and obviously not being credentialed, that motivated me to pursue my master of social work so I can hone my clinical skills to apply it in spiritual settings. Wow. And I secondly want to ask you what theory lines up with your values and why? I think there's a number of theories that really sit well with me. One of which I would say uh, would be social. Well, I would say the cycle social development theory and I really see that play out with with my my clients and identifying what occurred during those stages and what was a successful you know form developed versus what was maybe an unhealthy development or what was maybe a development that that was underdeveloped wow and what theory are you opposed to and why? You know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily opposed to a theory only because uh, I really like to take a client-centered approach. And so really, as I utilize different therapeutic techniques and, and, I, and I approach or utilize various theories, I provide psychoeducation to my clients and, and explain to them what the theory is and, and what the research behind it suggests and just ask them how that resonates with them. Right. And for some clients, if, if it resonates with them and it puts into words what they've had trouble describing or making sense of, then we can collectively pursue that theory and, and use that theory as a guide and, and as a base. So I, I don't know that I have one that I'm necessarily uh, opposed to because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ultimately for what will work for the client and what makes sense to the client. Wow. And how do you feel about psychoanalysis? I know that there's a lot of controversy surrounding psychoanalysis. I don't know that I know enough about it to to provide a critical analysis. I, right. But what I but what I do know is I I think that I mean there's there's studies that kind of 
go both ways with it. But I, I think I'll just say for for now that I think that I don't know that mm-hmm. you know all behaviors, for instance, are rooted in the unconscious. But right. I mean, it's not impossible. Correct. And so I think that, uh, I, and I don't know that everything can be contributed to one's, you know, childhood experience. But again, it is not impossible. And so again, I would I would have to conduct a, a stronger uh, clinical assessment. I would have to work with this client to see how they're responding to other treatment modalities, other right. theories before pursuing this one as an option. Wow. And I want to jump into the question because, you know, you're a licensed independent clinical social worker and I'm working towards my licensure in clinical social work. And some of the mm-hmm. different therapeutic techniques that I've used have been guided imagery, I've used smart goals, I've done scaling questions, empty chair technique, you know, I've done a lot of different um, therapeutic techniques. And I'm very curious, um, what are some of the therapeutic techniques that you have utilized in your practice? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely have used CBT, also known as cognitive behavioral therapy. And there are so many different types of CBT that may or may not be covered in in a program, but it basically focused on the relationship between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And this technique can really help us assist our clients in identifying patterns of irrational and self-destructive thoughts and behaviors that influence emotions. And then what we can do is kind of come up with different ways to check and challenge those thoughts, modify those behaviors to have a positive impact on our emotional well-being. And what's your favorite therapeutic technique? You know, in graduate school, it was definitely solution-focused therapy. (laughs) I was originally interested in medical social work and and so just kind of identifying the problem and, and that's you know, take different solutions and, and try them out to, to get rid of it. Uh, I've since learned that it, that may not always be suitable with persons with more chronic, uh, intrusive, or uh, more severe psychiatric disorders. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one thing that I like to use is uh, taking a a strengths-based approach uh-huh. and that's really identifying what is it that the client's good at what is it that they like doing and and exploring ways in which they can use that in their own life and so also you you're naturally going to use an empowerment approach as well in in the sense that you are really uh empowering the the client to resolve their concerns and to be a resource for themselves. And it's so funny that you say solution focused because I remember when I first learned about it, I was so against 
using different solution focused techniques only because I'm like, you know, the the founders of solution focused, they only had their master's degree. And I'm like, you know, they really don't know what they're talking about until I really dope in and like i was like wow this actually can be very beneficial to clients the only thing that i kind of disagree on with solution focus is the fact that it kind of it kind of just focuses on the here and now versus diving back Mm -hmm. into the person's past and you know there's controversy with that as well saying some saying you know you can't change the past that's only focused on the here and now which is kind of like solution focus versus other therapeutic techniques where it's kind of like let's dive back into your childhood see what was going on in order to change the present behavior you know right absolutely and 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 that's why it's so important to analyze the setting in which you're trying to utilize different therapeutic uh, treatment modalities. So for a healthcare setting, a solution-focused technique is, uh, you know, will be very prevalent because you're engaging in a lot of case management and you're engaging in discharging and connecting people to resources. So identifying those resources, teaching them different problem-solving techniques, but again, a setting that I work in as a director of a university counseling center, mm-hmm. that isn't always going to be a, an approach that I will use. You know, sometimes it's going to be short-term counseling, right. but I mean, I will have separate sessions for individuals who who aren't presenting with any psychiatric or emotional or behavioral symptoms, but really there's there's just a concern and and they're looking for practical solutions to addressing that concern and then me helping them identify and try out some of those solutions so it it really just depends on the problem and it depends on the setting that you're in because now i use a lot of you know short-term counseling i mean as as a therapist i'm also i use a lot of crisis intervention so i'm using that model to to assist with acute distress or want people who may be in danger to themselves or others and really helping them, you know, become safe. Right. And what age group do you like working with the best and why? Well, I felt as though it's changed. I originally loved working with older adults. I mean, that's what my my focus was in graduate school. I mm-hmm. actually completed a ethnogeriatric fellowship with Stanford Medicine to to work with African American older adults in uh, urban cities. But since then, I mean, I definitely enjoy working with college age students. Right. Um, with, so I would say that's my current favorite, but it's not to say that it won't change. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I remember before I've been working with older adults since I graduated high school um, as a CNA. You know, I've been at a at a nursing home for about four going on five years now. Uh, you know, working mm-hmm. with the older population. So I really enjoy working with older adults. I've never worked with them in a therapeutic setting. I've only worked mm-hmm. with college students. And okay. I, I feel like that's where my passion really is, which is 
I mean, what kind of motivated me to start the podcast was college students. You know, um, I, I just feel like there's such a need, you know, for for therapy for college students because of the rates of suicide that are going up. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of them are experiencing anxiety, depression, self-esteem, body image issues. Um, is you know, the, and these are some of the things that I'm hearing about, and it's increasing more and more. You know, over the years, so I, I feel like college students is really where my passion is. You know, well, there's definitely a need for more college college therapists or mm -hmm. or counselors, university counselors. Uh, there's a lot of students who. Uh, have mental health conditions, some diagnosed, um, some not. Right. Uh, but there's definitely a growing trend in college mental health statistics and the Association for University and College Counseling Center directors. Students today are mostly, like you said, dealing with anxiety, stress, and depression, but those numbers vary. So 48% right. of students are dealing with anxiety. 39% of students are dealing with uh, stress and 34% of students are dealing with depression. And so it's important to, like you said, to, to recognize it, but also have the numbers to support it. So uh, you definitely won't have trouble uh, with employment right. <laughs> post-graduation working for a, a university. And I wanted to ask you, what does success mean to you? Ooh, that's a good one. I wanted to be authentic in my answer, so I don't have a rehearsed one. I think for <laughs> me, it changes. It, it, it honestly changes. It, it, you know, my definition of success when I was in high school versus college versus grad school has all changed. And, and now, uh, as a husband and father, I really think success is just progressing and I think success is also having a sense of satisfaction I don't think that it's attached to accolades I don't think that it's attached to esteem or recognition but I think it's an intrinsic feeling it's an intrinsic motivator inside and so I mean I, I felt successful when I graduated from grad school I felt successful when I passed my licensure exam. But I also felt successful when I married my wife and when we welcomed our son into the world. So, I mean, I think, you know, success is really uh, individualized and, and it's the sense of satisfaction and also the sense of uh, persistence. And so no matter the outcome, you know, just really recognizing that you showed up as your absolute best, but also as your absolute authentic self, your your most authentic self. And how do you define potential? I think potential is, I would describe it as really your mere existence. I think if you're alive and, uh, yeah, I think if you're alive, then then really anything's possible. I think it's just being connected to resources in a meaningful way mm -hmm. and and identifying the, the unique needs that 
a person may need in meeting them. And what are three words or values that you live by on a daily basis? Oh, I call it the Triple H effect. For for me, uh, I value happiness, healthiness, and holiness. So as long as I'm living a happy, healthy, holy life, then that's good for me. Well, I know my three values that um, I really, really emphasize is empathy, humility, mm-hmm. and consistency. Mm-hmm. Those, mm-hmm. those things I, I really take to heart, especially being in the field of yeah. social work. And before yeah. I would sympathize with somebody, but now I empathize with them. You know, I, I really sit there and try to understand where they're coming from, you know, putting myself Mm -hmm. in their shoes and really understanding where they are in life in order to provide the best care that I can for that person. And, you know, um, humility as in realizing that I'm not the smartest person in the room, being Mm -hmm. open and receptive, you know, to taking advice or taking constructive criticism from somebody and consistency as in just, you know, being or doing things every single day, <laughs> you know, um, consistency, that, that kind of speaks for itself. I used to talk about it on just about all of my episodes, you know, what consistency means mm-hmm. to me. And, um, you know, I, I feel like consistency is something that a lot of us lack sometimes. And I mean, you know, it's inevitable because we're all human. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. And I think that grace because that's a lot of what I'm hearing too of, of, of grace and, and self-compassion right yeah no I agree person, and, and on a professional level it definitely would be my values would I mean per, personally and but professionally too I mean the social work values being competent service social justice uh, human relationships and integrity uh, and those are all you know and dignity and work for the person are all things that that I value as a professional but also uh, in my personal life as well and what are some goals that you're trying to accomplish before the year's out Mm, I am my main goal is to really be more consistent in the content that I produce on my Instagram uh, I really target uh, persons uh, I mean social work students, social work professionals, mental health professionals but also um, persons who may be living with uh, mental health condition and so just being more consistent in producing the, the, the psychoeducation but also fostering a sense of community Wow and we're coming up to our final two questions. And the first one is, if you had the opportunity to spend a day with three people of your choosing, whether dead or alive, oh, <laughs> who would they be and why? Mm, my first one would be uh, my father. He was a role model to me. And I absolutely... Uh, have a high regard for him uh, the second person would be uh, I'm gonna lump them both in there but my my wife and son like they're my world I absolutely love them and so I would definitely spend time with them and uh, the, the last person uh, 
honestly just started from my household. I mean, I grew up with an amazing uh, sister, and I grew up with amazing parents. Uh, both father and mother are, are awesome, and so I would say that. So most, so really, all family. Right. Uh, most, all of them with me, with the exception of uh, my grandfather who passed. And the last question. What piece of advice would you give to a college student who is currently trying to pursue their degree in social work? Mm. One piece of advice I would give is to be unapologetic about your demands. I think as you sometimes, I, I love the quote that uh, I'm paraphrasing uh, former first lady Michelle Obama when she said sometimes we can be so grateful to have a seat at the table that we that we fail to shake the table mm-hmm. and what she meant by that was we had this complacency right and and we're just kind of settling and we are just kind of being passive with our lives and and that just really convicted me to always evaluate and reevaluate my goals and my ambition and my needs and ensure that I give that to myself and so I highly encourage students to do that and so and so I say that because you don't want to you know my wife and I we obtained our masters of social work for free and we knew that we did not want to take out loans for grad school but we also knew that we earned the right to receive a, a graduate education that was paid for because of our our accomplishments from undergrad and so uh, we did not settle on that and we you know it was a very long process it was a very growing process but it uh, was very beneficial and and so now uh, you know we were able to achieve that and and now looking at what my future goals are and as I pursue a uh, doctoral programs being intentional about not allowing unsupportive professors stop me from pursuing my my doctorate you know Mm -hmm. not allowing the fear of not getting into you know a certain school stop me from applying and so that's that's kind of what I mean by that for students as they pursue certain things and as they you know, whether it's a university, whether it's a scholarship, whether it's a concentration, whether it's an internship, or even future uh, occupational goals, you can do it and be relentless in your in your goals and, you know, shake the table. Wow. Donzel, this episode was amazing. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like a, a lot of um, students and adults as well will really benefit 
from listening to this episode. Um, you know, we we covered a variety of topics concerning not only mental health, but the social work profession as a whole, some of the misconceptions about it and, and you know, some of the things that we're really, really passionate about. And I mean, you could tell by, you know, the interaction that took place, um, you know, between um, our conversation during the podcast episode. So I want to thank you so much for being on this episode. Anytime and thanks so much for having me, Savante. You're you are far beyond your years and wise beyond your years and, and I just appreciate you creating this type of platform for students. I know it wasn't something I had in school and it was and it's something that I definitely would have benefited from. So I just commend you and applaud you on all of your achievements and I look forward to all of your future success. I appreciate that. And to all my listeners out there, thank you for continuing, continuing to be dedicated listeners. Um, I, I really appreciate you all. I see that my audience is continuing to grow. So I, I just can't thank you all enough. I do this not to be famous, but to be effective. I, I really want to help everyone out there as best as I can. And um, I, I really cannot thank you all enough for listening to this podcast, please continue to like, subscribe, uh, leave reviews, anything that you would like to hear more um, concerning mental health. I'm definitely going to have Donzel back on. He doesn't know it yet, but he's coming back on the episode. (laughs) And um, I just want to thank you all. And I hope you all have a great day.